your biggest yearly expense is likely taxes. And so it's no surprise that tax-efficient investing delivers of the biggest bang for your buck. This rebroadcast is an episode with Brandon from The Mad Scientist, and we're diving into advanced IRA investing strategies. What we talk about in here will literally, actually save you thousands. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. To make a million, start with 900,000. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Hey, man. Uh, hey! Hey! I, I, we haven't recorded in so long. I'm like uh, hearing your voice. Yeah. But uh, I'm just drinking water. I, I truck through an iced coffee Uh-oh. and then spend a uh, good oh, 20 no. minutes in the bathroom. But it oh, tasted no. good going in. You're on caffeine. Yeah. Should be I'm interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am also drinking water. I finished my coffee as well. But before we get started today, if you have any questions about personal finance, you know who to email. That's listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And we also want your submissions for catchphrases. Today's catchphrase was from, I think it's a quote from Morton Shulman. Pretty good one. To make a million, start with 900,000. <laughs> uh, true. I wish, right? So uh, you can send those over to our Twitter account. It's at Money Matters Man. You can do it on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash listenmoneymatters. And uh, we really want to hear from you guys. Today, we have a guest. Uh, he is the Mad Fiantist. And we're going to talk about IRA strategies, and you can find out more about him and what he talks about at madfiantist.com. He also has a podcast, so hey, Mad Fiantist, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, and you're, I'm going to call you Brandon, if you don't mind. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know that's if I can totally say the Mad fun. Fiantist over and over again. <laughs> no, that's good. Brandon's good. I'm used to that more anyway. So. All right, so I, let's, I want to get right into things. Um, and I want to start with a very basic question, and that and that's like, what's the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA, and which should you choose depending on your situation? Right. So the difference is uh, when you get taxed. So a uh, traditional IRA, you um, you save on the taxes up front, and so that means you know if you if your employer pays you five grand and you put that right into your traditional IRA, that means the entire five grand go right in uh, and it skips the whole tax thing. Uh, the, 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 the money then gets taxed when you actually take it out of the IRA. So, um, and the Roth IRA is actually the opposite. So you pay tax up front. So you know, your, your employer gives you five grand and whatever your tax rate is, you may get four grand of it and the other grand goes to the uh, government. And then, uh, that gets to grow in there tax-free, and uh, when you take it out, you don't have to pay any taxes on it. So that's that's pretty much the main difference. There's there's some other differences with you know uh, required uh, withdrawals and things like that, but those are the that's the the primary difference between the two. So uh, when you say when you withdraw of the out of the Roth and you don't pay taxes, you mean because like you'll be retired and not earning anything, so there'll be nothing related tax on. Um, no, it, it's a. Uh, um, you would probably be retired as well for the traditional, um, but the problem is whatever you withdraw, that is treated as income. So um, say you wanted to withdraw 30 grand from your traditional IRA during the year when you're retired and you're not working or you're not earning any other money, um, that 30 grand is like is treated like you just earned it at a job. So it'll be taxed or you just won the lottery. in the same way. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, it hopefully won't be taxed that much, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be taxed like you had just 
uh, earned that thirty grand at your job. Whereas if you had a Roth IRA and you and you withdrew thirty grand after retirement, um, it wouldn't be taxed at all. So you would just take that thirty grand out, and the government wouldn't take any of it. Got you. So uh, a lot of our our listeners have four hundred one ks, but the the companies don't match. Uh, them. So, if you had the option for a 401k, but you know there was no matching, would you actually go into a 401k, or would you go into like a Roth IRA or you know uh, a traditional yeah. IRA? So, so yeah, a 401k is similar to a traditional IRA in that uh, it's tax-free going in, and then you're taxed on it going out. So, when you leave a job, you can actually roll over your 401k into a traditional IRA, and then just deal with the one account. But um. But yeah, no, I definitely, I max out everything. So uh, just a little bit of background about me. Um, you know, I'm uh, hoping to achieve early financial independence. You know, I'm building up my balances as much as I possibly can now uh, so that, you know, work becomes optional here in a little bit. Um, so any little edge I can get uh, during these times when, you know, my tax rate's higher, um, I take everything that I can. So, you know, I'm maxing out my 401ks, my IRAs, um, SEP IRAs, uh, HSAs, health savings accounts, anything that will reduce my taxes now, uh, I'm definitely taking advantage of. So yeah, uh, even if, even if I, uh, didn't have an employer match, which I'm lucky I do, um, I would still max it out. Um, just because, you know, my thinking is I'd rather save on taxes now and then figure out a way to reduce my taxes later. Uh, which is what you can do with, you know, like a traditional IRA or a 401k rather than, you know, pay my taxes now and then, uh, you know, get tax free later. Because once Mm -hmm. I pay my taxes now, there's no going back. There's no, you know, I can't get my another 2014 contribution limit, you know, of whatever, 17,500 for my 401k. Once, once 2014 is over, that's, you know, that's gone. The government takes that away from me. So I'd much rather take advantage of that now and then figure out later how to get that money out cheaper. But what happens if later the tax rate in the in this country is like 70%? Yeah, well that's that's definitely a risk. Um, right. but there's always there's always loopholes and there's always ways to uh to get out your money uh without paying, you know, the top tax rates. So, my personal plan, so there there's a little strategy that I plan on using. So, like I said, I I plan to, you know, leave full-time employment quite soon once my, you know, balances are, you know, able to sustain me for hopefully the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, uh, once that happens, I'm going to start rolling over my traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. So what, what happens there is, so like I said, you, the traditional IRA means you can save on taxes up front. So you're not paying taxes. So when you roll over into a Roth IRA, um, you pay tax on that rollover because you, you know, you're, changing from a, a tax-free in account to a tax-free out account. So you pay taxes. But since my income is going to drop significantly after I leave my full-time job, that means I can perform that rollover and pay little to no tax at all, uh, depending on how much I convert every year. And if I just do that for the next 30 years, then hopefully uh, by the time I need to actually tap into those accounts, uh, they'll be completely tax-free. So that means it would be tax-free going into the traditional IRA, low tax to no tax when I convert it to a Roth, and then tax-free out when I mm. uh, eventually withdraw it. So, so things like that, you can, you can always you know, figure out ways to do it legally. Um, but like I said, once you give up that contribution limit for 2014, there's no going back. So that's why I prefer you know, traditional over Roth. So, so uh, two questions on that. One, um, 
Is this what you call on your blog uh, the Roth IRA conversion ladder? Yep, and, that's it exactly. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, and the other one is so. Um, if I understand it correctly, you know, every year you're moving a little bit from your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA, and you know, you're keeping it low such that you won't get taxed much, if at all, on it. However, during that time, you know, that you're quote unquote early retired, like you must be pulling some income from somewhere, whether it's selling investments or, or what have you, no? Yeah, exactly. So, so um, wouldn't, wouldn't that like bring your tax rate up or, or how are you, you know, handling that? It would too, if it would, if I had, if I spent a lot, but, um, long-term capital gains and qualified dividends are taxed at 0% for anyone in the 15% tax bracket or below. And the, the 15% tax bracket is, you know, that, that covers quite a lot of money. So potentially, you know, I could sell my taxable investments that have, you know, gained over the long term, not short term gains, gains because that would that would drive up uh, my income and taxes a lot. But yeah, long term capital gains. So say I say I withdrew thirty thousand dollars a year, sold, selling investments, um, and say you know twenty thousand of that happened to be long term capital gains, which it, it won't be because obviously. You know they haven't been growing that long to 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 earn that much. So, right. um, but just let's just say you know it's twenty thousand capital long term capital gains. So, I can live off that thirty thousand dollars, and then I can use my standard deductions and exemptions, which is you know like over just over ten thousand. So that means I could convert ten thousand tax free from my traditional to my Roth while still living on you know thirty, forty, fifty grand, whatever you know whatever I'm selling my taxable investments as just as long as I keep those long-term capital gains from pushing me above the 15% tax bracket. Because once I go above that, then my then those gains are taxed. But if I keep it below that, all of those gains and withdrawing the contributions, then that's all tax-free. So potentially you huh. could, you know, live a you know a lavish lifestyle, which is a lot more than I'm going to be spending, and uh, and still be able to convert, you know, like 10 grand completely tax-free from your traditional to your Roth. The one thing I'm confused about, really, real quick, is uh, how are you putting money pre-taxed into a a traditional IRA? Okay, so um, so the 401k is easy because it's it, put your you employer. Know, Right, it just comes right out. For right. a traditional, it's all during tax time. So I would put, and I, I actually can't can't contribute to a traditional anymore because of uh, income limits. But um, back when I used to, it would just be I'd throw five grand or whatever the max was at the time uh, into you know a Vanguard traditional IRA, and then when it came to tax time, I would put that on my taxes, which would then. Mm lower my taxable income and it would lower my taxes that oh, way. Oh, so, so that's yeah. how that works. So you're you're putting exactly. it in post-tax but getting the break in every year. Exactly. So yeah, okay. you put it in post-tax and then you get that back when you file your taxes. All right, that was I just I was just confused by that. So, uh I I have this like I I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't know too much about like IRAs and and like, you know, jumping between 401k IRA, but um I had heard that uh your 401k will, before you withdraw from it, basically be you'll you'll basically make it into an IRA for for tax reasons. So is that true, and and how does that all kind of work? Yeah, definitely. So once you leave your job, uh, whoever is you know contributing to the 401k, then uh, 
definitely the the best bet would just be to roll it over into a traditional IRA, and it, it's it's a fairly straightforward process. I think you just um, I know you guys did a recent podcast on Van, Vanguard, and mm-hmm. that's where mm-hmm. most of my money is. And they make it super simple for you guys to, for anybody to do anything like that. So yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as I would leave a job, I would definitely just roll it over into a traditional IRA because you know you can access all the Vanguard funds at the lowest cost, and you don't have to deal with any because all four hundred one k plans are different. Some of them have like mm-hmm. hidden fees. You don't know what's going and on. You can't and most contribute of them. anymore. Exactly. So once it once you're done and you can't contribute, you might as well just get it out of there as soon as possible and but, put it. But somewhere. your primary motivating factor is to reduce fees. Like that. That's why you would convert it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, fees mm-hmm. are fees are just you know that that's the biggest drag on investing besides you know stupid uh, people errors and <laughs> yeah. all the stuff that people do and what they shouldn't do. But yeah, if you just set it in there and leave it, then fees are definitely the biggest thing you need to worry about. Uh, because over the you know over forty years you're gonna you're gonna be looking good if you don't play around with it too much. But if you have something that's dragging you down with fees, it's just amazing how these little tiny uh, you know fractions of a percent can really uh, affect you over over the long run. So yeah, to just get it out as soon as possible. Put it somewhere like Vanguard. Put it in a you know a cheap uh, index fund that charges next to nothing, and yeah. then you'll be fine. You'll be you'll be laughing to and the you'll bank be able to and, and you'll be able to contend continue to contribute even if you don't have a job. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, if you st- oh, say, say you make it like successfully to 65, like you, you worked your whole life and, but you only contributed to a 401k. So you, so you didn't even know that an IRA existed. You didn't do anything with that. Would, when you retire, like, and say you were going to start withdrawing, like literally immediately, you know, would you still move it from the 401k to an IRA? Oh, definitely. Yep. Don't you yep. have to kind of? Um, I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure if you have to, but I. Yeah, I definitely would. There's no. There's no upside to it as long as you're. You know, if, as long as you're comfortable with whatever you choose to put the IRA in. If you. You know, you may not be a fan of Vanguard for some reason, which I don't know why, but uh, you may not be, and <laughs> he may put it somewhere else. But yeah, no. No matter what, it's going to be. You know, as long as you choose wisely, it's going to be a better call than the 401k. I would imagine, just because you know. Um, who knows? There's yeah, there could be some fees that you just don't even know about that uh that are involved with the four oh one K. So yeah, just just yeah. If you only have a four oh one K, just chan- transfer it all over to the traditional and then and then start going to from the there. traditional uh, IRA. Yep, yep. So it 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 goes directly into the traditional without any sort of tax implications or anything. Um because like I said, it's the same type of account. It's tax free going in and tax taxable coming out. Right. And and both types of IRA are tax free growth. So you get the tax free growth throughout in either one, but it's just the difference going in and going out. So yeah, the four oh one K to traditional is just like instantaneous. There's no, you know, there's nothing you have to worry about with the IRS or anything. Um it's when you start transferring between traditional and Roth, that's when you pay the tax on the transfer. And I'm, I was curious on why you, you're, you're, you're really into this traditional side of things, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. Why? It, it's just because, because um, I can control that now. So I'm, I'm taking the benefit now, um, and then relying on my uh, ingenuity to figure out ways to minimize the taxes later. Because, um, like I said, you can't get. You only have your 2014 contribution limit once, and mm-hmm. once 2015 comes, you can't say, "Oh, actually, I do want to take that tax break and save those thousands of dollars on taxes and contribute to my traditional." That's gone, and you're done with. So, I'm just maxing everything out that I can to get those tax breaks, and uh, and and so that 
those those tax savings are then growing on their own. So I'm, you know, if I save, you know, five grand on taxes, I'm contributing that directly to my taxable account, which then is going to grow for the next hopefully 40 years or whatever. Um, so I'm just taking these these breaks now and investing them, and then uh, doing a lot of research and writing a lot of posts on tactics to use when you want to eventually convert to a Roth or withdraw from the traditional and figuring out ways to lower the tax burden then. Isn't that kind of a gamble? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's okay. all a gamble. Um, all right. it's, yeah, everything's, everything's a gamble. Yeah, sure. I get, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going to be ridiculously successful and come up with something that, you know, changes the world in 10 years and I'm going to be taxed, you know, to know to I haven't. Yeah, yeah. Right. But, um, but then I figure, you know, if, if, if I'm making a ton of money and I have to pay more tax, then it, I don't think I'll be too sad, I guess. So. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but right now, we, I just want to minimize. Yeah. Before we go like deeper into, into the IRA jungle, I just want to uh, like clarify one thing. Like, If you only had 3 k a year to contribute into like a 401k, uh, Roth IRA, or traditional, like where, how would you allocate that? All right. So if I had 3 k I'm assuming that means... 3k after tax. So that means, let's just assume it's 4k pre-tax. So I would definitely go 4k pre-tax into my 401k. Um, Regardless if, of matching. Uh, if, it, if it wasn't matching, then I'd go into my traditional. Um, but if, if I had any sort of match. Traditional go, IRA. Traditional saying? IRA. Yep. Okay. So if I, mm. if I had 3k uh, disposable income, then I would definitely do whatever it was, 3k minus, you know, plus my tax amount. So four, just say 4k. So I definitely do 4k into the 401k, assuming I had a match. If I didn't have a match, I'd do 4k into the traditional. And if right. for some reason, I, yep, traditional IRA. And if I didn't, uh, if I wasn't able to contribute to a traditional IRA uh, due to income limits, then I would do the 3k into the Roth. And all of those are great options. And you know, your your money's going to be growing tax free in all of them. And uh, and once you get it out of your pocket, you won't spend it. Um, so it's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> all are good. Right. Okay. All right. So, I was going through your your site, and I saw this real. I actually, by the way, I love your site, and and oh, stuff to talk about that. Yeah, great job there, dude. But uh, uh, I saw like this post. It was called the the Roth IRA horse race. <laughs> yeah. And I was hoping like maybe you could explain it for us. All right. So yeah, this is pretty. This is pretty advanced, and it may like. Um, uh, you know, the, the average person, it may be too much hassle for them. But a lot of my readers, and me included, just you know. We, we love this stuff and we're, you know, really into minimizing taxes as much as possible. So the, so the, the idea for the uh, Roth IRA horse race is, you know, when you're building your Roth conversion ladder, which we talked about earlier, so this, that means when you're, you know, transferring, let's just say 10K a year after you retire into your Roth um, for tax-free, let's just say, let's just say all your income is from long-term capital gains and you just you know, take 30k long-term capital gains. So that means you can convert 10 grand a year tax-free from your traditional to your Roth. Mm. So the Roth IRA horse race is on January 1st or, you know, close to the beginning of the year, you convert three times the amount that you actually want to convert for the year. So that means, um, say, or let's just make it simple. Say, say you're invested 50% in the total stock market index fund and 50% in the total bond market index fund. Um, so in that case, Rather than just converting ten grand from your traditional into the Roth, you know, five grand of each of those funds, what you would do is you would double it. So you would convert ten grand of your total stock market index fund, and then ten grand of your total bond market index fund. So that's twenty grand, and that's ten grand more than you actually want to convert for the year. 
then what you do is you just watch and see how they go uh, for throughout the year. So maybe the stocks, um, you know, go up and double by the time April 15th of year two comes around. Um, if that's the case and the bonds go down, then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to recharacterize the bond Roth. So recharacterization just means undoing the conversion from traditional IRA to Roth IRA. Um, and when you do that within the tax year or by April 15th of the, the year that you file, um, you're able to just undo that and the IRS doesn't care. It, it just ignores it because you, 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 know, you took it from your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA and then you just went back with the same amount of you know, shares and then they just don't care. So, so the, the, uh, the reason behind this is this allows you to sort of bet on these horses and then right as everybody's crossing the finish line, you can then just you know, take off your bets on the ones that are the losers, which is you know, like the ideal situation if you're actually betting on horse races. Um, so then, <laughs> so say the stock doubles. So, so that means by the time you file your tax return, you've converted $10,000, you've converted $20,000 into your um, Roth IRA because that, that, you know, this total stock market doubled, but you only did it for the price of $10,000 because that's what you did, you know, at the beginning of the year. But um, had you not done that, then you would just, you know, you would just have a mixture of the stocks and bonds. I don't know if that's a, a so, great explanation. It's pretty complicated. Right, so um, I want to see if, if I'm understanding. So uh, if you're taking, you know, your, your money out and you're putting it into stocks and you're putting it into bonds like half and half, you're saying that the loser, like the one that doesn't make as much money, uh, you would convert back to traditional because you want like another shot at kind of like gaming the gains and saving on taxes. Right, right, exactly. So, so yeah. So, like I said, when you convert, you pay tax on it. So, let, so you convert ten thousand dollars and you pay tax on ten thousand um, dollars. So, the ideal situation is you convert and pay tax on ten thousand dollars, but then it miraculously becomes twenty thousand dollars. So it's like mm. you actually converted twenty thousand dollars, but you only paid the tax on the ten thousand. So that, so the the horse race allows you to do that because you can say, oh, well, this fund really took off, so I'll just keep that one as the conversion. These mm. other ones, they actually decreased in value, so I don't want to pay $10,000. More taxes than taxes. money. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, but, wow, that's pretty clever. Yeah, it's, it's cool, and it, it's, uh, it shouldn't be... I, I, I haven't done a recharacterization. This is just all me planning for when I eventually start uh, the Roth IRA conversion ladder, but um, from my reading, it doesn't seem like a recharacterization is very difficult as long as you open up a specific IRA for each uh, each type. So that means in this scenario, I would open one for the total stock market and I would put $10,000 in there from my traditional. And then I'd open a separate Roth IRA for, for the total bond market and I'd put another $10,000 from my um, traditional in there. And then that way it's much easier and then you can just say, hey, just recharacterize this entire total bond market uh, Roth IRA which means it'll just go back to your traditional and it'll just disappear and then you'll just be left with the other one. That's where I got confused. Uh, besides like being confused about the entire process in general. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, so you're talking about opening up two Roth IRA accounts. Right, yeah. At least I didn't two, know yeah, you could so. do that. Yeah, yeah. And so there are and there is a limit to how much you can contribute a year. There's there's a limit to how much you can contribute, but there's not a limit to how much you roll over. So say you had say you had a traditional IRA with a hundred grand in it, you could there's nothing stopping you from rolling that entire thing over into a Roth 
okay. or rolling the entire thing into you know 10 Roths if you wanted, but you're going to pay tax on that rollover. So it doesn't Got make it. sense to do it all in one year because then you're just bumping your taxable income up by a bunch. All right. So you're saying, if, if I can get this correct, because I'm, I'm – okay. So uh, you have two Roth IRAs at the beginning of the year, and you have $10,000 in each of them. One Roth IRA is mostly the index – mostly stocks. It's all stocks in a S&P 500 sort of like the entire stock market sort of gains. Then mm-hmm. you have another Roth IRA, which is all bonds, mm-hmm. and then you watch them go. And right. then you and you watch them go up and until April 15th? Yeah, or even October 15th uh, if you want to file an extension. But Got yeah, it. No, okay. so that's, that's pretty much – yeah, pretty much right. So yeah, at the – Let's just, I'll just go through a timeline. So, yeah, say December 31st, you have, you have, uh, 20 grand in your traditional IRA. It's half and half total stock, total bond. Got it. So then January 1st comes and you open two empty Roth IRAs, separate ones. Uh-huh. And on January 1st, you roll over the 10 grand of stock into one of them and the 10 grand of bonds into the second one. And you don't get charged for this rollover. Um, you, 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 yeah, you'll get taxed okay. on it when okay. you file your taxes. Um, so when you file taxes, you'll say I rolled over ten grand because you're you're going to recharacterize one. So Got yeah, it. so you you roll over into those two, and then you watch and see how they go um, until April or October if you want to file, uh, you know, an amended return or anything like mm-hmm. that. But let's just say uh, let's just say April of the next year. So come April of the next year, the total stock market is sitting at twenty thousand. And the bond market is sitting at five thousand. So at that point, you could keep both, and that means you're, you know, you're, uh, you you spent you 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 did a twenty thousand dollar rollover, and now you're sitting with twenty five in your Roth accounts. Uh-huh. Or the smarter move would be to recharacterize the bond, which would you know take your conversion over back from twenty thousand to ten thousand. And you'd still be sitting there with twenty thousand in your Roth, so you'd get twenty thousand dollars worth of conversion for ten thousand dollars. If that hopefully clears up a little bit, maybe it's easier when you're reading these sort of numbers because they get confusing. What what he's saying is that like uh, anything that's lower than what he originally converted, he's rolling back because he could actually save on taxes. Like he'll have wound up have pay he'll have wound up paying more in taxes than he could have. Exactly. Because, so yeah, because it decreased in value. I see. Right. So I I, I paid ten thousand dollars for that. I paid ten. I paid the taxes, taxes like I had done ten thousand dollars worth of rollover. But at April fifteenth, I only had five thousand dollars of bonds. So that's like, well, why pay ten thousand dollars? Why pay taxes for like I had transferred ten thousand when I could just roll it back and then try it again next year and hopefully you know what if they both the go rollover? Up? Right. Exactly. Okay. Makes sense. So yeah, it's quite advanced, and it's many people don't want to deal with that sort of hassle, and that's to, that's totally fine as well. It's it's just uh, you know, it's good for to know. people that really are into it. Yeah, it's just if good to have you, in your back pocket. Yeah, if you want to do that sort of thing, that's that's fine. Or and it, and it's good if it's not even a horse race. So say say you don't want to deal with converting it to different accounts. Say you just you know do your traditional to Roth conversion on January first, and then come April fifteenth of the next year and you notice that the markets have just all just been destroyed, you may just want to roll it, roll that back anyway and just roll it back into your traditional and not to pay any taxes on it um, because it may not be worth it. So the, it, you don't have to go the full 
horse race route, but you may just know that you know recharacterization is possible in case you know something like that happens. You do the you do the conversion, and then the market tanks, and then you're like, well, I don't want to just pay tax on a ten thousand dollar conversion when I you know when I only get an increase of like four grand in my Roth. That's not worth it to me. So you could just recharacterize and and go on your way and do it again next year. Got it. Uh, we're gonna take a break. And then we, we're good, right? Like we can we can take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we got things to talk about and some really interesting investing stuff. So uh, we'll be right back. And let's. All right, all right. <laughs> Does that mean that we're back? We're back now. Yeah. So um, you 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 seem like you're, like you're like a super like tax avoidance guy like you you want to reduce your taxable bill as much as possible do you keep money out i mean do you like have investment money outside of iras and 401ks yeah yeah no i definitely have uh taxable accounts as well um i wish i didn't i wish i, I wish there was more <laughs> stuff i could, could don't contribute we all to. Yeah. yeah but well, um so, yeah, so here's like kind of the, the question because uh, there are a lot of people who are concerned that um, you throw your money into these uh, tax uh, advantaged accounts and then you want to buy a house or some terrible thing happens and you need the cash. Like it, it winds up uh, being less than optimal to have to pull the money out. So like what, what would you have to say about something like that? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And if if you, you know, if you're scared about having you know cash flow issues, uh, then maybe you do want to just convert contribute directly to a Roth because the the benefit of contributing to a Roth is that the contributions can be withdrawn tax and penalty free anytime you want. So that means I could contribute, you know, fifty five hundred to my Roth tomorrow and then on Friday I can take that 5500 out and then leave the the gains in there to continue to grow um and there's no penalty there's no problem so so if you're if you're worried about you know not having a big enough emergency fund or something then the Roth IRA is a great emergency fund cuz you can you know you might as well be getting tax free growth while you're while you're sitting so, in there cuz I oh yeah sorry good no, no, no. I, I was just wanting to like clarify because I guess I had thought that, um, and then this shows how little I know about retirement accounts. I thought that there was like a five-year rule, and I guess it's sounding like your principal can come out whenever you want tax-free, but any gains will have to stay in your IRA for five years. Right. So that no, so there is a five-year rule, but that's on rollovers. So say I did a $10,000 traditional IRA to Roth IRA and pay tax on it. That has to stay in there for five years, and then I can take out that ten thousand dollars, you know, rollover from the the Roth. But con- direct contributions, like you know, directly from my checking account into my Roth, those you can take out whenever. And then all gains, no matter whether they're from you know direct contributions or from rollover money, all the gains on that money, you know, you have to wait until you're fifty nine and a half or older. So, I see. so yeah, the gains stick in there. Ah, uh, but you got at least contrib- principal. Hmm. Yep, direct contribution principal you can take out uh, immediately, and then rollover principal you have to stay in there for five years before you can take that out. Wow! So now I, I actually now kind of feel dumb for not going into a Roth IRA. It sounds like there's actually not a negative if you go directly in. Right. If you're not going into any of the accounts, then then yeah, the the Roth IRA 
if you're not going into any just because you're worried about cash flow issues, then yeah, the Roth IRA is perfect for you because yeah, you can take those contributions out whenever. So yeah, so if you if you have an emergency fund that's just sitting in a checking account somewhere, then why not open a Roth? You won't get any upfront tax benefits, but that's going to sit in there and grow tax free for the rest of your life, and it'll hopefully be you know since it's a, since it feels like a retirement account, hopefully psychologically that'll make it. Less likely you'll just tap into your emergency fund for frivolous things. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're blowing my mind here, Brendan. I'm, I'm like literally learning so much right now. Uh, I'm like, like digesting it. Uh, wow. Okay, so uh, I, I want to ask you another one because um, so I, now I'm totally past the barrier of like this not being able to access my money because now I know that I, that I will. However, um, a lot of people – are afraid of like, well, now I have to actually do something with the money. And I know there's like a betterment thought where they'll like automate it for you in index funds, but um, you you don't do that. Like, so how do you kind of direct your IRA contributions and not make it like a full-time job? Yeah, no, I'm, it's super simple. I just put all, pretty much most of my money into Vanguard's total stock market uh, index fund. So it, it covers the entire stock market. Um, I probably will start diversifying a bit into bonds, and I probably should be more than I am now. But I, I'm happy just going aggressive because uh, I know my personality can handle it. Like uh, I'm actually you know, looking forward to big drops so that I could buy cheaper and things like that. So mm. so I can handle the volatility, so I'm, I'm going for you know, extra volatility for hopefully extra rewards. So, so yeah, I just plow pretty much the majority that I have a few other index funds I have, but uh, I don't contribute to them anymore. They're just sort of legacy stuff, but yeah, just plow as much money as possible into the uh, Vanguard total stock market index fund or ETF, just depending on which one you want to do. They're both, they're both great. So that's, that's exactly what I do. So you being like the the math and and stat dude and data dude that you are, like you prefer like just the average of averages, just because it's easy and cheap and. Oh, it's it, study after study has shown that you know I I forget how many percentage, but it, I think it's like seventy nine uh, or even eighty something. Right, percent. exactly. Yeah. yeah, like eighty something percent of actively managed funds underperform the index, um, and. They they come with so many more fees and uh, and yeah. How do you how do you pick the twenty percent? If you can pick the twenty percent that's going to outperform the market, why don't you just pick the twenty percent stocks Yourself. that do it and save on up one percent a year fee? So yeah, no. Yeah. Um, study after study has shown that passive investing really over the long run just really can't be beat. Um, so I'm yeah. I I would rather spend all of my time reading about tax avoidance things that I can guarantee you know mm. return on. And just uh, and not and just plow as much money into my total uh, stock market index fund, rather than try to f- figure out either which manager is getting lucky for the next yeah. five years, or you know which stock I think is going to go up, which you know nobody can really do. So, so yeah, no, I'm com- completely content, and it's it's great. It just frees up mental bandwidth to tax other things like you know tax avoidance, which is a win-win because nobody likes to spend money on taxes. They <laughs> yeah. I actually have a beginner's question about that. Yeah. Um, like, let's say I, I wanted to start a Roth IRA today, which may be the case, actually, because I don't have one. Uh, so if I start that, I obviously, obviously I don't have I'm not going to I can't pump in, I can't pump in ten thousand dollars. And that's what it costs to buy that S&P 500 Vanguard fund. 
Right. Okay, so I would I would open a Vanguard brokerage account and I would uh, buy the uh, Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, which uh, is you know I think you can open an account. I forget what the minimum is to open an account, but I don't think it's uh, much at all, if anything. Um, and if you sign up for um, digital delivery of your documents, then you won't get charged any like low account balance fees or anything. So okay. yeah, open up a Vanguard. Uh, well, actually. Let me see, because I think you can invest in. E- I have to look, but you may be able to. You should be able to invest in the ETFs uh, through a Roth. So yeah, you'd open up a Roth and then invest in the um, in the Vanguard ETF. Because I was going to say, uh, if if I open up a Roth, I don't just want the money sitting in the account because then it's not being invested until I have enough money to buy this Vanguard fund. Right, right. So no, I, I'm. Almost positive. I'm not. I'll log into my account right now because I may even be in the ETF versions. For I'm in ETFs in some of my accounts, and I'm in index funds in the other, and the mutual funds in the other. But I'll just log in real quick. And uh, but yeah, no, you should be able to open up the Roth and then just start uh, buying Vanguard ETFs, which don't have any minimum. Uh, All right, so you can. I can start like a hundred bucks a month, just pumping yeah, in I there. Think okay. So. All right. I gotta, I'm just gonna. I'm almost in, so I'll just take a look and see if uh, any of my IRAs are actually ETFs, and if, uh, but yeah, I, that should be the case. So, what's I, the difference between an ETF uh, S and P 500 fund versus like a regular one? Um, so the ETFs are are bought and sold in the market, so that means you could buy it throughout the day at the exact market price, mm-hmm. whereas the uh, index funds. Um, they get priced at the end of the day, and you just buy at the that price. Okay. Um, the the underlying funds are all pretty much the same, so you wouldn't be um, wouldn't be a problem there. And I'm just looking, and yeah, my uh, my SEP IRA um, is uh, yeah, but I I have a SEP IRA, and I opened that with very little money because I didn't I didn't have, have much uh i've heard of this set bar what is that so that's for small businesses so you okay, take right. a, um you take a it's just like a something that small business owners can uh, uh contribute to as well so i i can contribute to a sep in addition to my roth and my 401k so that's so i'm i'm, I'm maxing that out as well but i don't make a lot of profit in my side business so i don't you know i can't contribute a ton to it but right um, but yeah, so, so I, I'm looking at that, and I opened that with like four hundred dollars okay. whenever I first had my first year profit. So, if you have a SEP, does that like increase the amount you could actually contribute into IRAs total? Yeah. Yep. Total. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep really? So, so, so you have like your five thousand? Huh. So, oh, so it just doubles it basically, or is, or is um, it? Just- it, it actually, it's it's depending on the profit you make in your business. So, so yeah. So I to give you an idea. So I. So max out, you know, four hundred one k's like seventeen five hundred or seventeen six fifty or something. Um, Roth IRA is fifty five hundred, and then the SEP IRA can be on top of that. You can, depending on uh, how much you make in profit, um, it can. I think there's a maximum percentage, which is what I did since my income was lower. But if you're making over that, then I think there's a cap. I forget what the cap is, but but yeah, it's in addition to. All of the other stuff that normal salaried people uh, have available to them. Hmm. <laughs> it's a good way to offset profit. Um, I'm starting to literally devise a strategy where I will pay head. no taxes. Like I, it's it's like <laughs> being built. <laughs> well, it's it's the guarantee. It's a guaranteed return. You can't 
you can't, you know, spend that much time and guarantee, you know, a return on the market just by studying stocks. But if you really take a look at, you know, tax strategy, you know, that's, that affects the bottom line big time. If yeah. I can invest oh. an extra, you know, five or 10 grand a year, just because I, you know, utilize some of these accounts, then that's another five or 10 grand. That's just compounding over the course of my life, which is just huge. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, when my wife, when my wife was working, uh, the amount I paid in taxes a year was more than her salary. Like <laughs> just yeah. reducing that alone and be like having another, you know, it, it's another bad. wife. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> well, actually, I think that would be more expensive. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it, and it's, because it's great because you don't have to increase your income and you don't have to reduce your spending. So it's just like mm-hmm. focusing on taxes doesn't make you sacrifice anything and it doesn't make you have to work harder. It's just, you know, you're just keeping more of what you already earned and that's that's always good. All right. So, so I, I have another, um, Kind of selfish, but it's on the IRA side. So uh, my my wife had had left her job. She was contributing to a four hundred one k, and um, we want to roll this over into an IRA. And I think we're going to do it into Betterment and like document it for our listeners and blah blah blah. Um, however, the way that you do it, from what I see on Betterment, is you have to execute an early distribution with no withholding. Which, from my understanding, is like they literally cash you out. And sends you a check, like, and, and you have a I, certain amount of time to get it in to to betterment. Right, yeah, is that right. something that people should be nervous about? Like, is that easy to screw up? Um, I've never personally done it, but I don't think it is. And um, I'm sure betterment will walk you through the process. I've actually had the uh, opportunity to meet with a lot of those guys over there, and they're doing some awesome stuff. And um, and I think they're all very competent in anything tax related. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Um, just, yeah, make sure you do what they tell you to obviously. Cause right. yeah, I think there's, there's probably some time scales that you need to adhere to, but, um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't worry about that. And I think that's a, that's a great move to make and, uh, I'm sure they'll take care of you over there. So. And do you think it makes sense that you would get the check and then send to them or you think you could probably do it so that they just send the check directly to betterment? Ah, uh, yeah. If, if that's a possibility, I would definitely go that route. Um, but I, I'm not sure exactly how that works. So I, you'd have to check with whoever the custodian is currently of your 401k or whatever. Um, but yeah, if you could, if you could take yourself out of the picture completely, and that would definitely be a good call. But if you can't, then just uh, yeah, just make sure you send it off in a timely fashion, so you don't, you know, have that sitting outside of the tax advantage world before for too long. Right. Right. So. Um, I, in, in being like a reader of your blog and checking out your stuff, I saw your article, um, how to hack your HSA. Yeah. And I, I did not pass go, did not collect $200. <laughs> I directly went to contribute to my HSA. Nice. Uh, can, can you kind of, uh, like explain, I mean, HSA, HSA is like a tax advantage health savings account, but can you kind of like explain like the, the whole story behind that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so yeah, as you mentioned, an HSA is a tax advantaged savings account f- specifically for health expenses. So, from your employer in, only? Um, no, uh, uh-uh, no. Okay. You just have to. The only stipulation I think you have to be enrolled in a high deductible health plan. Oh, um, right. So, if you don't know if you are or not, you can check with your healthcare provider to see if it's a high deductible plan. Um, so, if you are, then you are able to open a 
HSA and contribute. And uh, it's similar to a traditional IRA and a 401k in that it's tax-free money going in and it's got a little twist rather than tax taxable money coming out. If you use it for medical expenses, it's completely tax-free. So that means it's tax-free going in, tax-free growth like uh, all other IRAs, and tax-free coming out for qualified medical expenses, which is awesome. So you're just you're not paying tax on anything, which is is what the end goal is for everything. So yeah, um, so yeah, the HSA is really cool because. Uh, and it's something I've been maxing out uh, ever since I, you know, started looking into it. Um, if you don't use, say you don't, say you're very healthy and you don't use your entire HSA by the time you reach 65, then it, you can treat it exactly like a traditional IRA. So, um, so yeah. So if you're worried that you won't pay for all your medical, you, you won't have that many medical expenses, which I guess is a good thing. Um, uh, even if you don't use it, you can it it acts exactly like a traditional IRA when you hit sixty five. So so it's like an extra traditional IRA contribution, which for someone like me who's looking to you know shield as much uh, of my income from taxes as possible right now, then that's a great account to uh, max out. So what what I've been doing actually, um, there's no rule that you have to pay for a medical expense when you have it. So what I've been doing is I'm just keeping all of my medical expense receipts and I'm just leaving all that money in there to grow tax free. So say, say I have a, well, last December I had an appendectomy. I had appendicitis. So that was like 25 grand or 2,500. Sorry. <laughs> it was 2,500. Whoa, dude. So my high deductible plan has a $2,500 deductible. So I paid that for my appendectomy. But I I just paid it out of my norm out of my pocket. So that twenty five hundred dollars is just sitting in this tax advantage account, growing tax free. And you know, say ten years down the road, I actually need twenty five hundred dollars for something. I can just take that out, and nobody's you know, there's no there's no I'm not paying tax on it because it's it's for a qualified medical expense. Um, and I just take that out, and I can spend it doing whatever I want. So 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 you're saying you keep the receipts. You'll pay the medical bill, you know, this year, and then in like three years, you'll be like, you know, hey, I want to buy like the, you know, a new TV or something. Like you could use that equivalent money to go buy a TV, but because you had the receipt with the medical expense, the withdrawal from the HSA is tax free. Exactly. So wait a minute. I, that, my, whoa, hospitals dude. give wait. Hospitals give you receipts. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I got a receipt. I I definitely got a receipt, and I kept it, and. Uh, you know, took a picture of it. So I have a digital copy as well, but yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's exactly right. So, so right now in my HSA, I have $2,500 earmarked for anything I want it whenever I want it. So I could just take that, I can take my, take that out, transfer it to my bank and go, yeah, go do whatever I want. But since I don't need it right now, I'm just letting it grow tax free because there's nothing telling me I can't do that. So it's just, it's just going to sit in there. That's, that's the best of both worlds then because it's tax free going in and tax free coming out. That's exactly why the account, the article that I wrote is called the ultimate retirement account because it's yeah, <laughs> exactly, it's the perfect, the perfect thing you do have tax-free in, tax-free growth and tax-free out. There's, there's really nothing better. And the best part about it is if you contribute to an HSA via a payroll deduction, so, you know, just like how most people contribute to a 401k, it just comes out automatically. If you do that, that money does not get taxed. You don't get any social security or Medicare tax on that. So FICA taxes 
which are like 7.65%, I think, for, for just normal employees, you save an additional 7.65% because that comes out prior to the FICA tax calculation, which is another huge benefit. So you're saving on your income tax, you're saving on your FICA taxes, and then you've got this cool account where at worst it's a traditional IRA, at best it's this beautiful thing where it's tax-free in. So everyone should get an, an HSA. Yeah. It's, There's like know, no I reason would, not to, it seems. Yeah. The only reason you wouldn't is if, say, um, say you didn't, you only planned on contributing, <laughs> if you only plan on contributing it to, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, for like one year or something, because sometimes once you leave a job, the HSA, I th- like my employer, I think covers like a small management fee of an HSA. So sometimes there's like an additional account management fee for HSAs where there isn't usually for Vanguard, like you know IRAs and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only reason I wouldn't is if you know you didn't plan on con- uh, making contributions for the next you know little while. But if you if you always plan on having health insurance and you always want to have an H uh, high deductible health plan and you just keep pumping, you know three or four grand in or whatever the limit is uh, in the future years, then, um, yeah, just open it up. Just keep pumping money in and, you know, all your medical expenses are completely tax-free. You get the benefit of having a high deductible plan, um, which means your monthly uh, premiums are going to be lower. So, yeah, so, so yeah, my, my, my deductible is 2,500 and I get, you know, all the great benefits that everybody else does in my, at my work. And, you know, the HSA contribution limit is like 3250 So that means, you know, uh, after one well, year least of contributing. Right. After one year of contributing to your HSA, you have enough to cover your deductible. Right. And then you're benefiting from all those lower monthly premiums. Exactly. And, yeah, it's, it's a good situation. So it's sort of like self-insuring a bit, but yeah. uh, the gov- government's helping you along the way, which is always nice. Let me ask if you, uh, when you, you said you plan on retiring early, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you do that, what kind of uh, health insurance are you going to get? Um, are you going to so, do like the Obamacare kind of stuff, like the Affordable Care Act, or are you going to do something more private? Yeah, no, I, th- I I think I would likely do the Affordable Care Act. Um, I know a couple of my a uh, couple of other sites that I follow and have had on my po- podcast. They're already retired, and actually, one of the guys, uh, Jeremy, it's a site called Go Curry Cracker. Go Curry Cracker dot com. He, uh, him, and his wife they they live abroad. So they actually just have no health insurance due to the, uh, I think the Obamacare rules. You know, you can't be denied from pre-existing conditions. So I think they, you know, they if anything major happens, they'll just come back and get a plan and go from there. But um, but yeah, no, I I think I haven't looked into it, and that's something that actually my dad was like, you need to start looking into this because he was trying to help my uh, uncle, you know, figure out which plans and stuff. So it's something I'm going to write about soon. But yeah, I think the. Affordable Care Act was is great for future early retirees or early retirees, and um, and I'm actually my wife and I are actually moving to Scotland. She's Scottish. Oh wow! Um, so we're going to be moving there in a couple months, and all you know, socialized health care over there. So I, I don't have to worry about anything anymore, uh, which is nice. <laughs> so can I you land still over. can you still contribute to an HSA even though you're abroad? No, I probably won't okay. be able to because I right. won't have a high deductible health plan anymore. Right. So yeah, my my HSA days are limited. But uh, but yeah. Uh, It'll be nice not worrying about health insurance or healthcare anymore, which is always good. Cool, dude. So, so I want to like uh, end end on uh, something that kind of lets you, you know, beat your chest a little bit. But uh, I saw this, and I actually haven't signed up, but I saw you have a really cool uh, laboratory, and <laughs> yeah. and you you've built this tool to kind of track 
where you are in like your uh, the grand scheme of things to your financial independence. Can you kind of like just explain your tool a little bit and and why like it'd be cool to sign up for? Like why it would be useful? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my day job I'm a professional uh, software developer, so I. I've been writing web and mobile applications for you know over a decade now, so uh, so it's stuff I like to do. So yeah, my uh, the the file laboratory is uh, just some uh, web software I wrote that allows you to just uh, you know just input a few numbers every month, like your net worth, your spending, your savings, um, and it uh, it charts out your path to financial independence. So it tells you you know how long. Considering all the data you've put in, how long it'll take you until you you could stop working if you wanted to. At at which point your you know your investments will cover your expenses. Um, and it's got a real nice graph, and it's got some other calculators that I wrote. Uh, you did you know just hanging off the side of it just for you to run some other little numbers. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's there's uh, thousands of people using it already, and uh, got a lot of good feedback. And I'm hopefully gonna just keep adding functionality to it uh, as we go on. And it and it's uh, completely free, so. Uh, anybody out there could just go to lab.madfientist.com and uh, yeah, sign up for free and uh, play around, start putting your numbers in every month. And I'm uh, on the blog. I actually have a uh, article series called the Guinea Pig, where I where I've uh, you know have a few scenarios where I follow this you know fake character from zero dollars to financial independence using real market returns, and I'm plugging all of that data into the file laboratory as well and you can just follow along and see you know how quickly these two scenarios are getting closer to financial independence and one of them i i do all of these tax you know tricks that i've talked about today and the other one i just you know do this straight you know just saving in the taxable account and just to see how big of a difference there is so so yeah definitely check it out we'd love to have you over there so and I just got one more question on that. So when you calculate your financial independence, like I and I saw it was like a red dotted line, like like the watermark. Are yep. you using the four percent rule for that? Like how are you determining when you will reach it? Yeah. So the, there's uh, I have another screen where you can put in your assumptions and um, and yeah, people can either either put in a percentage. Like yeah, I want to you know I'll, I'll feel like I'm financially independent when. I can take out four percent every year. Some people may, uh, you know, think that's a little risky, so they may try to put in three point five percent. So yeah, you could do it by percentage, or you can do it by your future projected uh, monthly spending. So, uh, like for me, example, I know my costs are going to decrease dramatically uh, after I quit my full time job because you know I won't have cars, I won't have to buy nice clothes, you know, I won't be spending a bunch of money on gas and things like that. So. Um, so you can also put in your future projected expenses, and that that'll also adjust that uh, red line to to see when you could when you're going to be financially independent. Damn, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show and for taking the time to go into these advanced IRA strategies. I am going to reassess my entire life after this podcast. <laughs> I'm like, I have so many actionable things I have to do after this. Yeah, That's uh, awesome. No, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, if you have any other questions or anything, just uh, head over to the site or shoot me an email or something. Um, love talking about this stuff. So I'd be happy to help anybody. And uh, and yeah, next time, if if I, uh, if I you guys have me back or something, hopefully it'll be in the 
in the evening so I can have a beer with you guys because yeah, I was uh, I was excited about the <laughs> what are you dr- what are you drinking part of the show? What are you <laughs> drinking? Yeah, I, you know what? We'll definitely do that. We're gonna definitely have you back on. I want to I want to get more into the tax stuff. I was just gonna say we have had so many requests on tax strategies and things around that. Uh, would you be interested in coming back to talk to us in depth about that stuff, maybe beyond IRAs? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yep, absolutely. Definitely. I love yeah, I love chatting about it, and I, yeah, I feel really strongly. It's a great way to to really get ahead without any any big sacrifices or any you know a lot of hard work. So and no great. one wants to pay taxes. No, exactly. And the, and the IRS doesn't want you to either. They want you to pay the bare minimum. So it's not like we're fighting against the IRS. Or you could call them up and you know talk about some of these strategies, and they'll tell you that you know they'll help you work through it because yeah, they want you to pay the bare minimum as well. So interesting. How does it go? It's like uh, tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is encouraged. Exactly. Yep. So we're all about some tax avoidance, and uh, yeah, evasion's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, if you guys have any questions, of course, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions from this episode. And uh, we'd be happy to answer them and maybe some pass along some over to you, Brandon. And uh, if you guys like the show, uh, and I hope that you do, uh, we spent an hour talking about IRAs and all kinds of good stuff here. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. If they have a review platform, do that. But iTunes uh, especially. And I'm going to read a short one here. It's uh, the Father's Day special, five stars we got from Wilson Wim uh, from the United States. And he just said, excellent Father's Day show. Great to hear real experiences about things that your fathers have done well and mistakes made. Keep it up. So that was a great little tiny review. That's all we really need, a couple sentences. Uh, we've gotten some long ones as well, but uh, we, we really encourage you guys to do that. And uh, last but not least, if you guys want to learn more uh, want to learn more about personal finance and money management and whatever else And when it comes to personal finances. Uh, we are always writing new stuff and posting up new episodes every single day of this show at listenmoneymatters.com. So that's it. Brandon, thanks again for hanging out with us. Thanks and, a lot, guys. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to the next episode. So later, guys. See later. Please tell your friends about this show.